Hey guys, so welcome back to the Rach Active Podcast. My name is Rach J. I'm your host. I'm a coach and the founder of Core 30. I am really excited to have the lovely Lola Berry on the show today. Welcome, lovely. Thanks for having me. We were, we were hoping to do this in person, weren't we? We were, but unfortunately we are recording this obviously during the COVID crisis and we're obviously in Melbourne. Well, you're, you're in Torquay, but we are all locked down, so we can't really mm. go anywhere. Um, but I, I do, before we get started, want to kind of give you a little spiel and intro because, I mean, I feel like most people know who you are, but just in case you don't know who Lola is. Um, <laughs> it's, and it's okay if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of would think if you don't know who Lola is and you're in the health and wellness space, I don't know where you've been living <laughs> if you're living in Melbourne. <laughs> um, so Lola is one of Australia's leading nutritionists. She's also a yoga teacher and an author of like a gazillion books, Lols. Um, I was looking it up and I'm not going to name all of them, but I will name some of them because I think it's worth noting your, your nice body of work. So uh, the 2020 Diet, the Happy Cookbook, Lola Berry's Summer Food, Food to Make You Glow. The Yoga Body was your last one, wasn't it? The, the latest yeah. 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 So that was the last one. There's there's a whole bunch more. So you can Google Lols and, and check out all her books because they're all amazing. You're also the founder of Lola Coffee, which is your new little... Passion yeah, I'm sipping on it now. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. So we can talk a little bit more about that. But basically, you're very well respected and known in the health and wellness space. And I'm so grateful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for giving your time to chat to me today. Oh, I'm so glad we could make it happen. It's actually like I think when the first we knew we were going back into lockdown, and I know you've got it much harder than me. We're in stage three, you're in stage four. But I was like, do I pull the, pull the pin on my own podcast? And then I was like, no, I'm just going to use it as an opportunity to get, to just go after people that felt like a bit hard to get. So I, it, like, it's been nice as like, it's taken me a while to like, accept that we're recording online and stuff. But and now I'm kind of pumped by it, like how cool that we can create content in this time. Yeah, it's so amazing. It's such a great opportunity. That's what I need to say as well is that you're also the host of your own podcast called Fearlessly Failing. So you can check that out as well, guys. Um, but we were re- we were just reflecting on when the last time we saw each other. But the last time we actually had a proper chat skis like this, uh, I was looking it up and, and doing a bit of digging. It was six years ago when we did this kind of thing. Um yeah. So we did a little chat for a site I was running at the time called Eat Beautiful. And, you know, there were a lot of topics that we both, I feel, are, are really passionate about talking about. So I'm really excited to kind of see how they might have evolved and changed over the last uh, six years. So really exciting. I can't believe that was six years ago. I so still ago. remember that day. I still remember what I was wearing. I still Do remember. You? Yeah. That pink I top. Yeah, the pink top, and I had these leggings that had like um, yeah, the uh, the palm tree leggings. Yeah. Yoga. Yeah. <laughs> I remember too. Actually, that was fun. It was a fun little um, interview that we did, which is really cool. Um, we both love yoke as well. Yeah, we love yoke, and obviously, oh, back then it was power living. Oh my goodness, it was too. Yeah, yeah. so it was it was a long, long, long time ago. Um, but firstly, I want to check in because obviously we're going through this crazy global pandemic. Who would have thought 2020 would be, you know, bringing us this crazy uh, madness? But how are you going in terms of your mental health, your emotional health? You feeling okay? Like um, like we just touched on, I think, being on the surf coast, being in Torquay. So I, we relocated here 
second week of March, like before any lockdowns kind of kicked. You could taste it in the air though. Yeah, like I don't know if you remember coming. like yeah, yeah you'd be at the coffee shop and there'd just be people talking about cases and the global impact and I was just like and I said to dad I was actually meant to be on a flight to Los Angeles and I and it all blew up in in my face and I said to dad I was like can I just go down to the beach house for a week and just kind of like reset because I was really anxious and he goes of course there's no one in it just go for it and I haven't left <laughs> a weekend literally I came with a weekend bag and Matt had to go back to Mel and my boyfriend a couple of times to kind of like pick up stuff do coffee stuff and I'd get him to swing past dad's place and just pack another bag for me but I'm still just living with like a few pairs of yoga pants I just have got like four jumpers on rotation that's all you so need though right isn't it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's been it's really freeing I mean I'm I'm really lucky. I'm really pro having a therapist. And so I've kept a therapist the whole way through this whole um, pandemic. I've been seeing him for three years, probably three and a half now. And so we do it via FaceTime now. So having a therapist really helped me unpack all the highs and lows, especially at the beginning. Now we've kind of got a routine. Like yeah, I'm settled with my boyfriend. Yeah. 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 Because that's one of the things that I feel like a lot of people – Obviously, it's it's this huge thing that's going on where, you know, feelings and emotions like anxiety, depression, stress is is being brought to the surface. And even if it's not a, a conscious thing, it's something that we're, obviously we're all experiencing. And so dealing with these uh, particular emotions may not be something that people have faced head on because, you know, sometimes you go through life and you just kind of think that's normal. But now, because we're in this kind of situation, we have to face what we're feeling, I guess, in a way. Um, and I know that you're a, a huge mental health advocate. It's something that you you speak about a lot in your work. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, you have found some tools that that work for you, like having therapy. But for people who who don't really know what to do, you know, they're struggling. Because I, I feel like, especially in Melbourne, um, there are a lot of people struggling mentally with this whole situation. You know, what would yeah. be your sort of suggestions? What what kind of things do you think will help them? I, I was actually talking to my therapist on Tuesday about this because I was like, dude, because he's in Melbourne. And I was like, what the hell? And I'm like, and he goes, I feel so sorry for people that are about to start a relationship online with a therapist. And he's like, it's a relationship. So he's like, you've got to have trust. You've got to feel comfortable opening up. And he's like, the difference between you and I is, as he said, We've got such a foundation that has been set from three years of weekly visits. So, like, if I'm doing a FaceTime uh, session with him and I cry, I don't really care because I'm like, he's seen me cry a million times in his space. Uh, but I imagine that would be so confronting if you were doing it online for the first time. And um, But, I mean, I think, like, some help is definitely better than none. And, and my therapist... Um, said, you know, like some of my clients have said oh, they only will see me if it's in person and he has to take their temperature beforehand and, right, yeah. you know, and I was like I'm really happy with it being online because it means that like I'm in my safe space, I'm not breaking any protocols, driving, there's a big block between Melbourne and, and Geelong. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Road check. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for Melbournians that are in it like, Far out, I feel for you guys, but I'd be like, I, for me, I'm an OCD person, and I have a feeling you might be too. <laughs> Just a little, <laughs> yeah. Are you Virgo? No, I'm not. I'm a Gemini. Ah, oh, but that means you can slip in and out of it. 
in and out. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, for me to be ritual and routine, I'd be like, right, I'm going to move my body this way today. I, whether that be your hourly walk that you're allowed to do, whether that be you go for a jog, whether that be you do an, like today, um, I'm recording a few podcasts back to back today. So for me, it's going to be an afternoon yoga that I'll just do in my lounge room. And I think if you just set yourself these little kind of like acts of self-care, like as soon as we knew we were going into stage three, Boss and I went to drove into Warm Ponds, which is like um, close to Geelong, and just picked up like I got heaps of like beauty face masks, bath salts, candles, like all this self-love stuff and self-care stuff that makes you feel good even when you feel shit. Um, So I think it's about like having these little tools and little things that give back to you. But I also think this is the time to like face what you're feeling, like journal. Mm -hmm. Get clear on your goals. Get clear on your values like it's making me I for the first chunk of this like I got really afraid of like I've got some pretty big goals and I'm like shit I'm 34 like I'm missing the window now like if I waste too much time and and I've never been afraid of my age ever until because I study acting um, mm-hmm. Yes, we're going to get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> but, I, but I'm 10 years older, you know, than all the kids in the class. And 10 years is a lot of like wisdom and living and you have a sense of self-understanding that you don't have early 20s. That's right, yeah. And and so you'll be, you and me have studied at the same school, haven't we? Yeah, that's right, we have. Yeah. I'm so excited yeah. to talk to you about this. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but it's confronting because as an actor, you'll know this, but like you've kind of, as a female actor, you've got a window for working in television and film. Like it's really limited, whereas in the wellness world, there's no limits. Like you can ride and do, th- and, and I'd never faced this like finite like timeline that felt like it was like, burning away and I was like shivers and so that's what I've really grappled with at the definitely the beginning and that's when my therapist has just been my non-negotiable because he's like let's honestly talk about this and I'll be like dreaming of snakes and he's like that's because you're not facing a fear let's talk Uh, about that yeah the therapy would be my your number one yeah it's definitely it's definitely I mean I've definitely seen a therapist over the years and I do value therapy as well so I feel like well for me I like to talk so to get things out and and be able to air those things with with a professional who's trained you know psych um it's definitely helpful but you know you touched on also having like a, a routine and having that's brought you some stability through this period of time so you know having your daily movement doing your journaling you know, and having work set or, or something that you, you you can focus your attention on, I feel like is, is which is all the things that you've just, you know, sort of said. And you know what? You're never going to get this time back. This is never going to happen again in our lifetime. Yeah. Like this will be the war, I imagine. Like we're living in history right now. This will be yeah, the thing we, we tell our grandkids about and we're like, oh, when I was 30, <laughs> I went through this thing. <laughs> Yeah, um, and and it's like you'll never get this time back. So like, I keep thinking, far out, how lucky am I? I'm in Torquay with my beautiful boyfriend. He's got his headphones in, so he can't hear that I just said that about him. But, um, <laughs> he's sitting across from me. Um, but like, we will walk down at sunset and just put our feet in the ocean and watch the sunset. You know, like. I, I, we would never have had this chance to really like slow down and have really honest conversations like about kids and about marriage and about like all these big kind of like, I guess, hallmark things that you tick off during your life. Um, it's been a beautiful gift, but all, but mainly the gift to slow down, which yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm not really 
good at that. Well, I, I definitely think that that's one thing that that it's this whole thing is forcing all of us to do is just to slow down, uh, sit with ourselves. Um, we're free from distractions and that includes, I mean, some of us are still working, which is amazing, but we definitely have more space in the day to be able to take time for ourselves and, and sit with ourselves. So I definitely think that, yeah, it's, it's almost like you're forced to now incorporate this type of pace into your life because it's just, this is just the way life is. Right. And so I, I think it's been a really amazing opportunity for, for me, I've, I've definitely been very reflective. And, and like you said, you're having honest conversations with people, things that you may not have wanted to face before or talk about yeah. before or express before you're expressing all these emotions. You're, you're also understanding who and what is important to you. Cause it's really like, you know, like the kind of um, state gov uh, restrictions with only the essentials it's, and it's essential, you know, kind of across mm. the board, not just mm. go out and get your daily shopping, but what's essential for you in your life. Who and are you noticing that with relationships too? Like there are hundred percent. I'm like, ah, oh, it's time to call Bill. Ah, oh, it's time to call Andrea. Like I've got this, like it's almost like the friends that I always loved and but I've got even closer to those really core close ones. Like even my dad, I'm FaceTiming my dad all the time. And like, yeah. you, you know, you, you start to kind of like almost nourish and feed those relationships that um, were already probably good, but you start to realise how lucky you are to have those people in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think being grateful is one of the things, practising gratitude is one of those things that has become more prominent. I mean, I, I always used to do that, but more so now. But like you were saying, it's, it's like the people that you always had, yeah, as part of your core circle, your inner circle, it becomes even clearer how important to you they are. And and then things that are unnecessary start to fall away, which, you know, that in itself can also be another thing that people are facing as well is um, loss and grief around, mm. um, you know, things falling away, things that we can't do. Also people that you may not be seeing, but also the life that we used to know because life will never be the same again yeah. after all of this we don't know what it's going to be like so it's it's been a very I feel cleansing period of time to be honest totally totally you know? and, and anytime you feel stuck just remember this will never happen again yeah I don't think like I don't think you'll get this time to just be with yourself and figure out yourself and get clear with what matters like I feel like I've got so clear on my goals and I've got this like sense of resolve that I might have kind of like let wane especially like I had a few yucky years, like my early 30s, like 31, 32 were just yuck and just shit heartbreak, didn't know who I was. Yeah. Shit work stuff. Like it was just hurdle, 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 whereas now I'm like, oh, I feel so clear. Mm. Don't you feel like um, as you get, what I'm finding is as you get older and as you get to know yourself more, you feel great for knowing yourself better and having that self-awareness, but you also realise how much there is that you don't know. It's yeah. like this weird like juxtaposition of like, I know myself so much better. I'm, I'm pretty solid in who I am, but yet there is so much stuff that I do not know. And that, to me, that just blows my mind, really. Um, a really cool quote, I was listening to a podcast with Hugh Jackman the other day. Mm-hmm. And so him and his wife, uh, I think her name's Deb, Deb Lee Finesse, um, every morning they, they sit together, no matter what's going on, they live in New York, uh, and they read to one another. 
Like that's oh their goodness. half an hour morning ritual. They'll read with and they'll read a piece of poetry, a play. And it was like I stole this from um, Sir Patrick Stewart. So he's like off... Um, not the Marvels, he's like off Star Trek back in the day and he's like one of the OG kings of um, He does English a lot of Shakespeare. Yeah, Shakespeare He's to Shakespeare. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's doing a sonnet a day. He reads a sonnet a day on his Instagram. I highly recommend it. I'm not into <laughs> Shakespeare but, man, he's just wonderful to watch. We like shelling peas for dinner and he's like, oh, hello there. It's time to read our sonnet. It's amazing. Anyway, he's one that taught Hugh Jackman that and he said, he said when he was got to about 60, he was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to read everything I want to read in my lifetime. Mm. And so he sets his alarm every day so that he can read for an hour a day or something, some amazing amount of time. And for me, like, I'm like, oh, Farah, how lucky I'm hearing this at this age that I'm at. Yeah. So I really tried, like, even this morning when you text me and you're like, 10 minutes till our call, I was like, great, I'll start reading my new play. And so... Oh, which one is that, Lols? Tennessee Williams? Yeah, cat on a hot tin roof. I haven't I haven't read it, but I've seen part of the part of some bits of in scene study. You know what I mean? <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I was just like, I'm trying to read like a couple of play- at the moment. I'm in a few different study groups. I'm trying to read a couple of plays a week. Mm. I'm probably got my plate a bit full. If I'm honest, I'm doing accent study and I'm doing full time studies at 16. So I'm a bit like, oh god, <laughs> but yeah. it's good. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff to learn. In I want to come back to acting because I f- I feel like there's a lot of stuff in there that we're going to talk about. But I wanted to get to quickly like so people are finding in in ISO. I think one of the biggest problems is um, motiv- motivation to move. Yeah. Secondly, staying healthy and eating healthy. Now you're a nutritionist, so you know this is your kind of like area of expertise and. Mm. And I feel like a lot of people are snacking a lot, they're gaining weight or they're, you know, whatever it is, they're having issues mm-hmm. with maintaining their, their eating routine, really. What do you reckon is a good way to approach eating during this period of time? You're going to laugh, but, like, I'm that person. Like, Boss and I are like, <laughs> shit, we're buying another bottle of wine. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> it, you know, and I'm like, queen of the snacks, queen of the... I love um, snacking. Love snacking. Just drop the guilt. It's totally fine. Like the reality is we're in uncharted waters mentally. So for me it would all come down to mental health again. Like Mm. I would just direct that any patient that I've ever had for weight loss when I I practised as a nutritionist right up to COVID um, and you end up um, coaching and life coaching and and counselling basically, which was part of my degree. We did a bit of counselling. Um, but not enough to do therapy. So often I will um, basically them on. Send them on to refer yeah. them on to a therapist yeah. or a counsellor. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, what, to me weight loss all actually comes down to mental health always. Yeah. And and yeah. for me as well, like I keep saying to boss, oh, my God, like I'm going to get, I'm going to roll out of ISO. That's like my favourite thing to say at the moment, especially this week. And, <laughs> and he's like just stop snacking all the time and overeating and then getting a bottle of wine and da 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 and I was like yeah like it just needs to actually come down to a sense of self-worth but also on the flip side of that drop the guilt who cares yeah you know I can guarantee you when we know okay we've only got two weeks to go everyone will tighten their belt up yeah everyone will just be like I'm gonna do a few more online workouts this week like everyone's gonna want to feel good when they get back to studios and exercising again so I wouldn't put too much pressure on yourself. I would drop the guilt and know that, like, I'm a trained nutritionist. 
and I'm doing the same thing. So and that's what I and that's what I love about you, Lols, because I feel like part of your charm and your why you're so special and amazing in this space is that you're just so authentic. And I feel like you know when you when you hold a role like that, there is, I guess I don't know I don't know if you feel this, but but an expectation where where people think that maybe oh you don't eat unhealthy you know, or you don't do, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that's, just, yeah. people just think yeah. that. And and I feel that it's so good for you to be able to just be authentic and, and, and say, yeah, I do. I do snack. Like I snack all the time. My favorite snack is, um, cheese puffs. They're the worst for you. Oh yeah. Have you had them before? Yeah, I have had cheese puffs. I have had cheese puffs. I'm a sweet girl though. Are you? So for me, every time we go shopping, I'll be like, boss, can we get some marble chocolate? <laughs> He's like, no. And I'm like, and then I go, I'll gradually pull back. I was like, what about Panner ice cream? And I'll like, as healthy as I can until eventually yeah. he's like, you can have a Granny Smith apple. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, great. Uh, That's uh, the same as chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm sweet through it. Like I'm, my, I was calling my friend Bill last night and he's like, oh, I've had three fun-sized caramello koalas and I was like jealous (laughs) so don't worry like I mean and that's the thing I come back to like although I know I'm eating more than I like my body needs right now um I'm eating pretty darn healthy like I'm baking loaves and I'm you know making I feel like sourdough is the is the thing of of banana bread this whole thing everybody's like (laughs) starting their whole whole sourdough and and bakery yeah yeah it's so funny um (laughs) so on that topic well kind of segueing off from that this is one of the topics that I feel like you and I really like to talk about and and you've spoken a lot about it but uh body image Disordered eating, body dysmorphia, this is a huge, huge topic. It's very dense. It's a very dense topic, so we, we'll try not to get too, you know, but I, I do like to talk about this because I, I find it super yeah. fascinating. And um, my my own experience with it is limited because I don't, I haven't personally experienced disordered eating. My experience of it is that uh, two of my girlfriends, when I was growing up, they both had bulimia. They kind of I I suppose, connected on that. So I was kind of left out of the loop a little in that sense. But as the support person um, hearing and and also being young, you know, too, and having the first exposure to to any kind of um, eating disorder, they both had bulimia. So, you know, I'd hear stories about uh, one of my girlfriends would like clog up all the drains in her house because she'd be spewing up in the sink. Mm. And my other girlfriend would like, you know, she would do the binge eating and, and buy all the food and then make herself sick. And, and then she went and she would go the total opposite and then be living off like diet Coke and minties, you know, one week. And Mm. then she'd, she'd binge. And so, um, you know, my, my role in that particular circle was, was basically to guide them again to, a psych because you know obviously it come it does come back a little bit to to mental health and and that mm. whole perception so but because you you know you have a ex, kind of extensive experience personal experience personal journey that you've been working through and I and you've spoken about this before we've talked about it before can you kind of for, the, for those of you who haven't heard about Lola's you know your journey can you kind of take us through like what that's been like for you because it's not just something that you you know, it's here and here, you know, one, you're in it or you're not. It's it's a journey, that a process that you go through, right? Totally. Are you still mates with those two girls? No, like I, I've lost contact with them and I guess they, they, I think they are, from what I see on social media, they seem to be doing okay. But that's the thing, you just never know. 
you don't know, you know, and so oh, yeah. it's it's so prevalent. Yeah, I think I'm I'm so glad you said the link to mental health. I think it's like a hundred percent mental health. Yeah. Um, it's usually lack of control. So it starts young. It's usually where there's a lack of control in some element of your life. And so you take control back through either food restriction or binging or mm. purging. Um, I was never bulimic, so I never, I hate vomit. <laughs> I, can't. I do too. Can't do it. Mate, I can still remember the last time I had food poisoning and I st- sometimes will fall asleep still remembering it. Like it has Food poisoning me. is the worst <laughs> experience Ever. Oh my God. I was going to say, I went through this thing where I I basically food poisoned myself. It was just food that I had at home. And I was in hospital overnight. Yeah. Overnight. What did you eat? It was chicken. I haven't, I can't eat chicken. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. But I was, yeah, yeah, it was the worst thing ever. But continue. Yeah. The vomiting. We hate No, yeah. (laughs) No, no. Well, even, so mine was recent. It was like about a year ago. We were in Byron Bay. I'd eaten some, I was, this is karma for you. I'd got up early and done yoga and then I'd gone to the buffet and eaten. And then Matt, my boyfriend, woke up and he's like, let's go, to, let's go out for breakfast. I was like, yeah, I didn't tell him I'd have brekkie. <laughs> so I still had like brekkie lunch dinner with him. And then I was like, I don't feel so good. He's like, we've eaten the exact same thing. And I was like, not really. Uh. And had the buffet. I was so sick all night, like 10 at like so bad. Like I cannot describe. I wake up in the morning, Matt looks at me and goes, oh, that was horrific for me. And I was like, for you. <laughs> I have been both ends all night long, like really like, and I to the point when you get so sick that you can't, um, like sound sets you off and oh, it was the worst thing. And then the I had like a social place. media deal at the next place we were staying and I was like, I had to put on a brave face and I was just like holding myself together. <laughs> and I still will think about it. Like I will still take myself back there and, and like be like, like that's how bad it was. Do you know what I mean? It haunts yeah. me. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, I yeah. never had that kind of purging relationship, but I've never liked, as a kid, I always have had an aversion to vomiting. And mum said it's because she had food poisoning when she was pregnant with me. She's like, right. I think that's why you, you've got this really weird yuckness around it. Anyway, um, it usually is there's a sense of lacking control in some part of your life and that was definitely something for me that was going on for me. Um, but also for me, like, I was doing morning TV segments really young, like early 20s, mm. and I was wearing this yellow dress one day and someone walked up to me at Param Market the same day and was like, I saw your segment, and I was like, oh, really, what did you think? And they're like, oh, great segment, but you should never wear yellow. It makes you look pudgy. And I just was like, <gasps> no. So there was, a, and that's just like one example. That is I've, horrible. Yeah, I've had heat, like heaps and heaps of stuff like that. And so that's when I kind of like, went on a really like health, like I just got really extreme with my health and then mm. I started to really restrict. So I went from like just being wanting to lose a sneaky five, it then kind of like snowballed. I think I got to like 47 kilos. Um, but like to be honest with you and, and I'd, I'd want to be like really, like I go up and down now. Like, I'll, you know, if I, you know, go on a bit of it. I love going on little yoga challenges and putting my, mm. my mind like clicking into like, 30-day challenge and my body yeah. change if I'm doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and usually when you're doing so much yoga, 
um, your food choices change too because you want to eat a little bit lighter so that you can get into the poses better or so that you feel good for yogs the next morning. And so you're less inclined to go for the chocolate. You're more inclined to go for the fish and veggies. So that's one thing that I've struggled with, like, actually coming out of it and knowing that like I'm healthy like I've got quite a broad range of me being healthy like from 55 kilos to like high 60s I'm pretty healthy yeah but there's a huge 10 kilo range there and so the thing that I've always struggled with is like when I'm you know doing lots of yogs and feeling great and just kind of like focusing on my fitness and my diet and 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 in that space, like people are like, oh, you're sick again. I'm like, no, I'm just really enjoying being a health nut <laughs> and I'm loving it. But then the other side as well, like no one says anything to you when you are overindulging and feeling a bit shit about yourself too. So yeah. the one thing that, and I've never really spoken about this, but one thing that I, I'd love to give your listeners is like health is a range. And, yeah. you know, you Absolutely. can be lean and healthy and also you can not feel lean and healthy. That's okay too. I think. It's about knowing that it's okay to fluctuate and you're meant to as a woman. But I also think, like, do what's, do you. That's one thing COVID's taught me. Like, stop giving a fuck about everyone else's opinion. Just do you. And if that means you feel good doing, I know you're a Pilates girl, you know, you feel good doing Pilates from home during COVID every day, mate, if that's going to make you feel good, go for it. If having an extra snack a day is going to make you feel good, go for it. Like, yeah. Understand that healthy is not a number or a size. Healthy should be ever-changing and it should be a way that you feel. Like I remember I had a – normally when I have shoots, I kind of like go down the health nut phase and I remember I felt so good. I felt great. I was glowing. Um, I was – I'm pretty sure I was just running and doing yogs and just eating really, really well and people like, ah. you know, you don't look, you look sick, you don't look good. And I didn't look sick. I know when I look, I'm really aware. I'm very self-aware. And I remember I turned around and said, thanks, I feel great. And I think that that was empowering for me because I was like, nobody else is now going. To tell you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think How that you feel. Mm. as people that have had eating disorders or body dysmorphia or orthorexia, which is where you're like hyper-focused on health, um, I think you should be able to just go, I'm going to do me and people always judge because there's a lot of bloody dingoes out there. So just do you and who cares what health looks or feels like. Yeah. So, you know, you, you don't need to. Yeah, you decide for yourself yeah. what it what it means to you. Yeah, and I think that's one of the approaches that I've always taken with my clients in because, you know, Working with nutrition clients as well, like you said, it does t- tend to come, always comes back to mental health. And then you're always touching on your relationship with your body, relationship with food. And the thing is, I think a lot of people think that there's one way of doing things. But the thing is, it's it, it, everybody is different. Your body is different. It's going to be, respond to foods differently. It's going to respond to different movement differently. And depending on what your goals are, it always shifts. It never is stagnant it's and it's a process you know you're you're always moving depending on how you feel what you're going for so that just exactly you know is the same mentality that I've always taken to with my body it's like you just you do you you don't need to compare yourself to anybody else let them do their thing and yes you know in terms of judgment um I'm glad you kind of brought that up because I think that's one thing I and I don't know you know, we can only speak to our experience, but that's definitely something that, you know, working in the media, working in the entertainment industry, um, you are 
this is from my experience, you are judged on how you look you oh. know, and you're judged by other people, you know, right. and, so and dealing, dealing with that judgment is I think one thing that is a, it's a definite skill. So obviously, you know, you figured out how to be able to shut that out and just go, look, that's not, that's your opinion, but I'm, I'm living in my body. So what do you know about that? You know, that kind of thing. So it's still a hard one, the judgment, though, I will tell it's you. It's like, so hard. I do insta-live yoga classes and people will write, oh, you put weight on or, oh, you like, literally write that to me during COVID. And I'm like, for real? Like, Thanks. I'll normally call it out yeah. and be like, excuse me. Or, like, I, the one that I'm getting at the moment is, like, you're 34, why haven't you got kids? People just write that shit to me, no problem. Oh, my God. On my Instagram and I'm just like, wow, like, how, what? Not that this is the case for me, but it has been the case for friends. What if I couldn't fall pregnant? Yeah. What if I was having troubles? That would be so triggering. And I just, I, yeah, I, the judgment thing has been some days it's good and some days it's not good. Like, I'll be honest, like some days I can totally handle it and some days I can't. But, um, yeah, judgment's such a real tricky one and that's where I would say therapy has made me realise that usually people only put their own shit on you. Yeah. People are only going to bring you down if they're not feeling good about themselves totally. because why else would you, you know, go out of your way to say something like that to somebody? And, you know, that's the thing about also putting yourself out there on social media, in the media. You're obviously exposed to a wider audience. People uh, have access to you. And, you know, so through your years of work, because you've been in the media for a long time working in this space as well, um, you know, have you have you felt pressure from because of working in the media you know and yeah I've been told I've been told to get Botox I've been told um in meetings like I've had images of myself like ripped up in front of me because they were considered not good images um I've been told like so much so much stuff but the funny thing is getting older, you then can realize that although that might have come across as really harsh that is old school media Like that Mm. is part of it. And it's just like actually a way of someone actually trying to, as messed up as it sounds, look out for you in in the image that you're portraying. And so like I have fought that so many times and had meetings. I remember I had a meeting once years ago. I would have been early 20s and it was like a brainstorming meeting for my career. Like, oh, and I had to fly to Sydney for it. And as I was on the aeroplane, I saw that Miranda Kerr had done a campaign with Qantas. And they're like, oh, you know, what are the what are the big dreams? What are the five and ten year goals? And I was like, oh, this is gonna sound really out there. I was like, but I saw Miranda Kerr was worked with Qantas on this campaign. I'm like, how cool would it be to do like a menu for Qantas or something as a nutritionist? And the response to, in the meeting was someone got up and stood, Stood. I was sitting and with her finger like looked me up and down and said, babe, you're hardly a supermodel. So s- stuff like that is so hard to swallow. Oh, I can't even, I don't even have words to, to, to actually uh, like compute that in my mind. But it makes you so resilient. Like it does make you very resilient. Mm, yeah. But it's usually only women too that do it. No men. Well, this do is that the, that's that's this is the hard. This is the thing because I wanted to highlight it because I feel you know my experience has been more so. My judgment is the judgment that I get mostly is from women and it's mostly negative. You know, and so 
that I think women tend to be very hard on other women, which I which I wish was not the case, but but the reality, you know, my experience has definitely been that way, um, and obviously from your experience as well. And you know, why why do you think that happens? Why do you think it's women that that do that? Because you know that that movement that went around on IG too, that which actually you. Um, you did the digging about what the actual Oh, and you credited me so was. beautifully too, by yeah. the way. I was like, you little legend. The amount of people that just like <laughs> takes your stuff and just posts it, you're amazing, so thank you. I will credit where credit is due because I know that, you know, researching this kind of stuff, this is, and this is from my journal, journal kind of comms background. It, like research is, that's a skill. It takes a skill and it's it's a skill to concisely you know summarize something to get the point across so of course I appreciated your your words um but that that little thing that went around um IG uh women supporting women I was like this is great I like the idea of this but also and I wanted to do a separate piece on 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 this but my experience is not that mostly women are supporting women and holding women up. I, I like the idea and I support the movement, but that has not been in reality my experience and it sounds like it, it's been the same for you, right? I think that you'll find the odd, you'll find it's a bit like what I was saying about how Corona kind of like shuffles your friends so that you know that mm. and you'll find Who's that you'll there? have, yeah, you'll find there have mm. been some friggin' amazing men, women, people in your life that are, like number one cheerleaders so believe in you and so there to support you and and some of them are women for me definitely um but yeah I mean some I think women I think the women in media thing is hard because you feel very replaceable as a woman in media and I think when you do get to a certain age especially if you're in just the acting world like I worked I said this to my therapist on Tuesday I was like I watched a movie and I'm older than any of the females in the cast, and he's like, yeah, you need to face the fact that you will not get cast as a 20-year-old. And I was like, shit, like that's scary, like for me to feel that. So I think as women in media, we feel replaceable. Mm, Absolutely. And, like, it's so easy for people to copy. That many frigging copycats out there, it drives me insane. But, like, Matt comes with me and he's like, it's a compliment. And I'm like, but why did they do that? <laughs> Can't they figure out their own stuff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get you. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's interesting that you are coming now into the acting space because the thing is, like, and we had a little chat about this on IG and I was just saying, you didn't even know that I was an actor. So that is is funny to start. Um so I, I've come out of my cycle of acting, right? So I've been acting for 15 years. I wow. recently only have just essentially retired from professional acting. So, you know, I've really taken a step back consciously away from that scene. But the, the awesome thing to hear about you is that you're entering into this space now. You've been studying at 16th Street. And, and when I heard that you were studying with Ian Sinclair, because we <gasps> both have studied with him, yeah. So if, for those of you who don't know Ian, he, uh, he, he actually studied at NIDA, which is um, the National Institute of Dramatic Art in Sydney, which is basically one of the best um, schools in Australia for acting. He's, and he was, you know, a director at MTC, like just, and he's just been everywhere. He was AD everything. to Kate Blanchett for the Sydney Theatre yes. Company. That's and, right. and I think yeah. he studied at RADA as well, like in London. He did RADA. Yeah, yeah he, did, oh, all, he did all the bits and pieces. But but his, um, so I did masterclasses with him a few years ago and, and did scene study with him. And I wanted to whip this out because I, I knew that you would recognise <gasps> this more. Yeah. 
he makes you do that <laughs> every class. Which I'm holding up, guys, for you listening on the podcast. It's um, it's called Actions, the Actors the Source, which is which is a book that we kind of use for, I guess, um, acting exercises that you do in in class. Um, and it's it's fascinating and fascinating. So, what I wanted to ask you is, firstly, how are you finding studying acting? That's my first question. Okay, great. Um, okay, so I so this is how it came about to me, and it's so funny. It's such an interesting. It's so Ian is like the. I've had two teachers, Ian and Cody Fern, who's an Australian actor living in the the US right now. In fact, anybody should. Um, watch The Assassination of Gianni Versace on Netflix. He's in it and incredible. Also in, um, uh, what's that really scary show on Netflix? Oh, I can't believe I'm not thinking of it. It's a Ryan Murphy, a, a Ryan, what's the show's Cody's in, Boss? Oh, my goodness, Matt thinks for ages it kills me. <laughs> um, <he's> like, <laughs> but basically, so I have had both of them really intensely. But the reason why I started studying acting school, I actually called a different school up in Melbourne called Brave and mm-hmm. I called them up American Horror American Horror Story. Oh, 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 oh. I know, but it's like a cult. People probably know it listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, and I called up this school in Melbourne called Brave and I was like, hey, I see you do a TV presenting course. I really want to do it because I'd done a big audition for Channel 7 hosting and like being the actual TV host, which is like my ultimate dream can't love to be a tv host and I fucked it up yeah I couldn't read the auto cue I was really nervous I put all this pressure on myself so I'd learned the auto cue off by heart and then as soon as I got there I was auditioning with Tim Robards and they flipped it so I had his lines and he had my lines and I was like oh I was not okay with knowing my partner's lines but not mine and so I was like, shit, I better, I better learn this skill set. I don't have it yet. I don't know how to read an auto cue. I can just riff and do no lines and, and kind of thing. And this is very strict, structured and strict. And, you know, there's heaps of frigging cameras on set. You've got like five cameras on set. And I was like, where do I look? And, you know, you think, yeah, the shiny red light, but like there's also three other cameras picking up different things. And I just wanted to understand it way more. And they were like, look, our presenting course is full. Have you thought about acting course? And I was like, do you want me to swim with sharks? No way. Anyway, so I studied at Brave for a year and then I was like at 16th Street because I was doing privates with their voice coach, another amazing um, teacher, and they're like, we want you to audition for our course. And I was like, nah. (laughs) (laughs) I'd done a three-day intense workshop with Ian and I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I was like, oh, my God, this teacher's amazing. He knows story theory and he told the story, the plot story of um, Harry Potter, which is the exact same as Star Wars and, like, crazy stuff. And then I was like, oh, fuck it, should I audition or not? And I'd I'd done these because I was studying at Brave. I had all this, like, um, these lines in my body. Like, I knew all these scripts and I was like, oh, I'll just take it in. And they're like, oh, no, you need something stronger than that. And I was like, mm. oh, shit. So they <laughs> said, like, do something from Ozark. If anyone that's seen Ozark, it's pretty darn heavy. Yeah, it's a heavy show. So I went in, auditioned for Ian, was shitting myself, and I just did the audition because I wanted half an hour in the room with Ian, to be honest. He's that incredible. Yeah, he's and so then good. I got in and I was like, oh, shit. He's like, so I'd love to have you here. And I was like, 
I don't think I can stay though. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, like I've got, I'm planning to do some work in America. And and he's like, look, you're in the course. And he's like, tell the girls your story and see if they'll take you. So I just pay and do term to term. And obviously because of COVID, I'm like, well, this is a gift. I just get to study extra longer because I'm obviously not going to America anytime soon. So I'm like halfway through the course. Um, and I'm amazing. And Ian is incredible. Uh, he, one of my favorite things he says, and that's why you do the actions book um, exercise. And it's, he said, we're building your lexicon. So the, the way you use the English language. So you've got all these extra words for describing. And he's so smart, guys. He's so smart. And I, and I just want to, like, just, just looking at, so for example, educate right so you can take the word educate if you if your action was to educate there is at least 20 other uh words here to describe the same thing so advise appraise coach counsel cultivate so when you work through with ian you're doing these exercises and you're you're expanding your range essentially is is what it is you know and he goes he goes if you he goes if your action is to educate he'd be like rage educate the fuck out of me yeah <laughs> he'll and he'll so make good. keep going at it and that's what I love about him he's he I love that his method is so sustainable like I'm not pro trauma work at all mm. yeah, or method 100%. acting it's just not for me I think I was yeah. telling you about that but yeah. then so on the flip side Cody who is very different they're very different Cody's work ethic is, is something that I love like he will say I remember first term, so we've done a last term all online and we were studying Tennessee Williams Street, Kind of Desire. Oh, I love that and play. Like, love all right, guys. Play. Oh, I know. Isn't it tragically beautiful? And oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Tennessee so is my favourite play, right? And and he, he goes, all right, we're going to do some reading from the play and we're just term two kids, so we're green, green, green. And he's like, stop. Like first line, Stanley saying something to Stella or Blanche like arriving in... Um, look, um, where were they in New Orleans? Anyway, and Cody's like, stop, where's your southern accent? And we're like, oh, well, we haven't, we haven't learned one. We're not that far in our, like, accents are term three and four. We haven't learned it. And he's like, lazy, how bad do you want this? And I was just like, oh, yeah, this is my person. Like when yeah, someone's yeah. got that kind of work ethic. Yeah. Uh, and to the point now that, like, I can tell you, what's written in Tennessee Williams' will. Like that's how far <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole of Tennessee Williams. And, yeah, there's something about his work ethic that I really admire because that guy's going to make it. Like he already has but, like, he'll really take it, just mark my words. And and so to learn off somebody that's just that driven and determined mm. is so inspiring for all my other parts of my life, like yeah. for writing and for any any work gig that comes through, I'm like, don't be lazy, Lola. Like, and he just always says, do the work, be overprepared, know your breath, know your body, like all things that I now theme my yoga classes around what I learned at drama school. Yeah. There's so much interlinking with, um, with I find, with acting and technique because I feel that I think a lot of people have this misconception about acting, thinking that you're what you're doing is learning to pretend to be somebody else, you know, but there are that's what that's from the outset, you know, if you haven't studied acting before, but you know, one of the things that you learn when you are an actor is you're breaking down being a human essentially and looking at it 
what are the human behavior human behavior so you know the thing that I found about it that I loved more so than you know being in front of the which which is great being in front of the camera learning lines doing the thing I loved learning about human behavior I loved learning more about myself as a person because when you understand those different parts of yourself you can then take those and then be that other person that you're meant to be in that play in that film or whatever but but just unpacking it's it's unpacking human behavior and that to me is just so like so fascinating so fascinating yeah it and I think as well like it's there's this layer that I didn't know was ever a part of it where you're honoring an author like Mm, it's Tennessee Williams like that guy like basically bleeds his heart onto a page and when you get to know him and then you read about the characters like he'll always write about childless women Mm -hmm. always that's Mm -hmm. like his go-to yeah go-to but it's a common thread or he'll write about devilishly handsome men and aging women who have lost like you know the 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 southern bell is kind of like his famous blanche character and he'll write this like torment this pain and when you learn about him, the writer, you're like, it makes sense. Like this is what he's been through. Yeah, it's a reflection of his experience essentially. I think that's the, that's one thing that Ian has has been so good to to um, you know kind of give insight to is is understanding the author and paying tribute to the to the writer because you are essentially just a vehicle through which this person's story is being told. So you are you know and. Again, that's another perception that people might have about being an actor is like it's all very, and it can be, you know, very narcissistic and all about the me, me, me centre of attention. But the craft of acting and understanding Mm. that is it's, you are actually just a piece in a very bigger, a much bigger picture. You're there to tell a story Mm. and the story has been written by an author. And like you said, when you look at the body of work of Tennessee Williams, you can see the threads that are common with his work. So therefore, if you get to know the the author, you understand his work so much better. You understand the story that he's trying to tell, and that like totally. it's, that's the that's the juicy part of, of acting. Yeah. You know, like when you really when you're in it, that's the passion. That's where where it is. Um, so I'm so excited that you're you're like into it and and learning yeah. from Ian. And you you didn't you mention that you kind of had a thing? You, you did this thing with Deborah Lee Finesse and Hugh Jackman was like in the background yeah. or something. <laughs> Doing a yes, we were doing a Zoom class. Yeah, we were doing a Zoom class exactly like this, but there was like I don't know, thirteen of us little, and so we had um, like Deb Lee Finesse for like an hour. I asked a question. I like plucked up the courage, and I was like, (laughs) but she's very esoteric. Like she'll be like, she's very like you can tell she studied Buddhism and whatnot. And anyway, she's like, oh, thanks guys. I've just got someone to say hi to you, and he's like. Hi, guys. <laughs> and I was like, could, did I have time to call Matt? I wanted to call Boss over and be like, Matt, quick. But, yeah, it kind of gave me a little spring in my step. He's very, I watched a fair bit of his stuff. He's very, very humble. And, mm. and yeah, I just, I think that's why I'm, I'm really loving Ian and I'm really enjoying his method because, yeah, I don't know, like you were saying, like he honours, yeah, the writer and stuff, but also he helps you learn and understand about yourself. So as a human, you come out going, because I keep going to my therapist like, oh, God, what if I don't act? And he's like, look how much you're learning for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know? 100%. That's, that's the one thing when I look back on all the, you know, the study that I did, because I, I went to university. I did a drama degree. I did, went to LA, studied Where'd there. Where did you go? I did drama at Deakin. 
And yep. then I went over to LA and studied at the Meisner Center, did Meisner for quite a, a little bit, which, awesome. which is, I love the Meisner style for those of you listening who don't, I mean, there's no point really going into the technique, but it's, it's an, a strain of method acting, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't necessarily need you to go into your traumas. It's more about creating, um, imaginary circumstances. So you use that as your fuel to, to, to move forward yeah. as your motivation, which is, kind of similar to to Ian's approach, which is I think why I've never enjoyed, you know, using acting as like, oh, I want to go into my pain and that's not the purpose of it, you know. Uh, You can create that and that's why your mind is so amazing to to be able to use your imagination to do those things. But um, one of the things that I've I've taken from all my acting uh, experience and my work in that field is more learning about who I am and the self-awareness. Yeah. And that's really, you know, when I, when I look back, I think that is the greatest thing that acting has taught me. But also on top of that, and you mentioned this before, um, dealing with rejection, dealing with failure and dealing with fear. These are the things that acting has taught me how to deal with really well and to the point where it doesn't cripple me from moving forward in any area because mm. I've learned so much to, you, when you're an actor, you get rejected more than you get a, you're going to get a no a hundred times more than you get a yes, right? Yeah. You, if you're filming something or if you're on the stage, you are automatically putting yourself in a position where you are probably going to fuck up. That's just what's going to happen. <laughs> and you've got to be okay with that, with people watching yeah. you. So yeah. there's an element of, um, of leaving that self-consciousness behind as an actor uh, to not care what you look like to other people because you are in service of the work mm. rather than of yourself, what you look like, how, you know, if, you, if you're really, you know, passionate about the work, that's what it is. You're, you're there to serve the work. And so what you look like doesn't matter. Do your ugly mm. cry. Do your, you know, whatever it is. That's just what is going to come out in the moment. And so you're going to mm. be okay with that, you know. Um, but those things that I've just mentioned, like failure, rejection, uh, fear, I know you like to talk about that kind of stuff too, because your, your podcast fearlessly failing all about failure and, and fucking up, which I love. I also love to talk about this topic too, because it's so important. I think for people to know that it's okay to fail, it's okay to be rejected. It's okay to be scared. Uh, things that often, um, yeah, stop us from doing things that we really, you know, pursue things that we want to do in life, relationships, all those kinds of things. So I really wanted, to, I'm curious to know what, what your greatest failure has been. Ah, oh, so many, mate. So, <laughs> so many. Um, I had a meeting yesterday and they brought up another failure and I was like, oh, shit, I hadn't thought about that one. <laughs> um, I mean, the big one was I bought out a diet plan with a really controversial name. I remember that. Stop- yeah. yeah, yeah. Stop being a fat bitch. And the reason why it was called that was that's what the way that I spoke to myself. I remember my business partner and roommate at the time said, what are we going to call it? We can't call it four-week diet plan, Lola's yeah. detox. And yeah. I just polished off a whole family size block of Cadbury's marvellous creation. And I said, I wish I could say stop being a fat bitch because that's the way I'm talking to myself. And he said, mm. we need to shine a light on the way women speak to themselves. Mm. This is a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. So it was called stop being a fat bitch, change your mental dialogue, change your life. Yep. No one saw that bit, the subtitle. Um, but yeah, it was a real fuck up career wise. It was probably the stupidest thing I've ever done. Um, and I'm still to this day, I'll always be sorry for offending 
so many women. Mm. But the flip side of that was it became a humongous lesson. Like my audience or community that are, you know, meant to be on my side, I thought, started the hashtag bin the berry, like photos of my books in bins. Um, You know, other big health influencers used it to like lift their own gain and we're putting up posts like how dare women not support women and I'm just like fuck so it just like and the Daily Telegraph was like career suicide um current affair was running it and then I got like legally gagged like it was just really full-on and I I had a meeting like a business meeting like a month later and I was like guys like I was flying blind like I could tell you on one hand who had my back Mm. so from that perspective the way you just spoke about how acting taught you to handle rejection that experience taught me how to have my own back and to know that it's okay to fuck up because we all do that's part of the human experience exactly yeah I mean I and I do remember that moment because I because you were doing um streams as well afterwards because there was so much backlash on that and um but I I feel like you handled it so well and like because that's I mean that was your truth you know that's that's and the I think some of the thing is that sometimes people don't want to admit that that's what they say to themselves too you know so that's that's yeah I mean it it is confronting it's confronting (laughs) and and that and that and that's what stirs that kind of reaction and you know um unfortunately you know it yeah it's it's hard it's hard when you're in that in this role where it where it's so evident when you fuck up do you know what I mean where 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 the where that response is so immediate um but obviously it's it's been a learning experience what what about rejections do you feel yeah I mean like up until meeting the boss Matt like I really struggle with heart rejection like matters of the heart rejection and when I say rejection like being in a relationship that fucked up and like and, and where I'd feel that real I remember I broke up with someone and he was a total douchebag but um I remember standing on his front doorstep and I said I've never felt like I'm a pebble in someone's shoe and I was like but hang on I've let myself get to that stage in the relationship Sure, he's got a sleuth of problems and mm-hmm. issues and whatnot. Uh, hopefully, that they've been sorted out now. But mm-hmm. um, at the time, it was it was harrowing for me, and I and that but and that was probably the biggest gift because it was that breakup that got me to see a therapist. Like that breakup because there was no um, closure. There was no. Like when I said, you know, I can't be with someone that doesn't love me, um, I think he just like sniffed his nose, wiped his face and kind of like, like he was just gross, mm. like horrible person. And and I, I couldn't close that. I had no, like that was what I was trying to do. I was like, let me know what's happened so that yeah. I can process. And it wouldn't happen. So that was what got me to see a therapist. Yeah. How lucky am I? Yeah. But, yeah, that used to be my pitfall would be like I or I date someone that was like so great on paper but then and it was it was the same it was the same experience for me where it was great and then these guys would have really deep-seated mental issues whether it be right. bipolar, whether it be depression underneath like and it wouldn't come out until, you know, three months in and you'd be like, oh, shit. Um, and most guys don't, don't, a lot of guys are, I should say not most, but a lot aren't super great with emotion. Like, and so when I started dating Matt, boss, I was like, I'm nipping this in the bud. So second 
second date, I was like, you need to know I have a therapist. And he said, I find that so attractive. I have one too. Oh, good. And so yeah. I think when you're constantly working on yourselves, like we work really on having no expectation of one another. It's like our mantra, which sounds really weird, but it is so empowering. Mm, um, it's freeing. With a teammate. Yeah, it feels like you're with a teammate as opposed to I want this thing from you and you want this thing from me. And so, yeah, for me, rejection of heart was something that all of my 20s, that was my consistent lesson of mm-hmm. just like kind of like people that would kind of like just I'd get so, so hurt. And it was, mm-hmm. it was also a reflection of I had very low self-worth as well. Mm-hmm. So it was all me as well. But isn't it, it's, it's been so, even just asking you the question and you be able to reflect back on that, it's, it's now brought you to this relationship. So all, I suppose, totally. you know, all of those experiences have now taught you what you need to look for, I guess, you know, in a, in a relationship. Totally. Yeah. I, I always say, I always say to Matt, like, I'm so grateful for all those other experiences because, yeah, they brought me to him who's yeah. like so like kind and gentle and deep and um, but also works on himself constantly. We yeah. both work on ourselves constantly and I think yeah. that if you can meet someone that's working on themselves, sky's the limit for you too. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely know that with my partners that's the thing that I have to have is someone who is um, – who has a desire to grow because we essentially yeah. we are we are all but consciously growing you're growing whether you're you're conscious of it or not but actually placing conscious awareness yeah. on on you know, growing yourself as a human is is a very attractive quality you know for, for anybody yeah. you know um so you know for people who maybe struggle I guess with becoming mates with failure and and rejection and that kind of thing because you've done a lot of work you know on yourself and through personal growth and whatnot. So it's one of those things where you've been able to look at those failures and rejections and and turn them into lessons essentially and take them forward, moving forward. But for people who maybe are struggling more with those things, what what kind of advice or suggestions would you give them to, to help them transform their perspective on that, I guess? I mean, it's going to sound cliche but it would be therapy mm. definitely because therapy is non-biased and and you can really unpack it with a clear lens um when you're just in it like that breakup I told you about the people in the shoe one I sat in that pain for three months and I couldn't understand I couldn't understand why like the day after he went to a big wedding and just got blind and had fun like I couldn't I couldn't understand that like started dating someone's story. I couldn't, I just couldn't grapple with it. I was getting so offended. Had nothing to do with me. Mm. Absolutely nothing to do with me. And I was a dick for even thinking it should have anything to do with me. And 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 so the second I saw a therapist, my therapist sat me down. He goes, how long do you want to date narcissists for, Lola? Because mm. there's a pattern here. Right. And and like it took and I and it took me back. And he's like, you've got th- these guys are treating you the same way and making you feel like the victim. And and so it was only through therapy that I could break that cycle. Yeah, to help you, I guess, take a step out of it and look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. therapy, therapy, therapy. I can't speak highly enough. Yeah. And, and too, I feel like, you know, um, for those of you who haven't 
been to a therapist or, you know, because there is a stigma around therapy. Yeah. I don't feel like there's this big stigma like, oh, you see a therapist, like there's something wrong with you or something like that. And, you know, my view on therapy is that you're looking after your health, your, your mental health. This is, this is an act of self-love for you. You know, you're taking care of your, your mind, you know, your perceptions, helping you unpack things, helping you unpack your emotions. And I think it's, a, for me, I've, I've definitely found it really valuable going through tough times and being able to frame it that way for yourself, I think is, is important too, is to not judge yourself for, for going to therapy, essentially, you know. It's totally, I had the stigma for three years. I'm, my best friend, Andrea, was like, there's nothing wrong with seeing one. She tried for, for 10 years, I'm not 10 years, sorry, for three years, she was like, I think you need to see one for the eating disorder stuff, for the heartbreak stuff. I just think you need to see one. And I was like, ah, oh, no, no, no. Literally, she'd just be like, I reckon, yeah, three years over. And, and because I'd always kind of get myself out of it, find this good place and then, drop again and yeah and and it took a long time and I had the stigma I was like I see it as a weakness now I see it as like a superpower Mm, absolutely yeah and know know that it's not always the it takes a few fits like I had a different therapist in Sydney to work through just eating disorder stuff and it wasn't the right she was wonderful person and lovely but it wasn't the right fit for me like I do really well with a strong male because Mm -hmm. I'm so hard on myself Mm. I want a therapist that can be like how long do you want to be silly and cry for yeah he can say that to me because he's seen me cry and been there for me so many times where I've just cried the whole session yeah and sometimes it's like what are you doing like this Tuesday I was like oh my god I keep dreaming of snakes I keep dreaming I'm pregnant all these things and he's like okay I'll tell you what's going on right now. He's like, you are fearing that your life's slipping through your fingers and you're letting it go. And I go, absolutely. I was like, you've hit the nail on there. He goes, all right, let's get honest. Mm. You're not going to get acting roles as a 20-year-old. It's just not going to happen. Mm. And, you know, and I was like, oh, yep, yep. But I, he need, I responded so well to this, like, matter of fact. And he's like, start changing the narration he's like the fact you're you're fearing your age and your chance to be a mom he's like you're so healthy we can have this discussion at 40 Mm. Mm. he's like stop putting this pressure on yourself he's like you're just building all this up and I just think having a therapist is a superpower it really is for career for love for success Mm -hmm. for life Mm -hmm. superpower yeah definitely so that's that's um, the big message, guys. Make sure you get a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be going through shit too, you know. Like it's nice to just have a little top up every now and then. You don't have to and, and, and you can, you know, kind of navigate that relationship how you see fit depending on what's going on in your life. It doesn't have to be like a weekly thing. It doesn't have to be. It's, it's you do you. That's the whole, I guess, message of this whole thing. You do you, whatever works for you, right? And remember, if you go for when something shit like a breakup, which is what I did, it took us three sessions to literally wrap that up, being honest. And I said, can I keep seeing you? And he said, yeah, my goal is to get you bulletproof. Mm. And I think that you, you need to know that when you're good and think, I don't need a session, that's when you get to do the work. That's when you're good to un- uncover shit. Yeah. Because when you're not good and, and you just need help to process, it's almost like you're dealing with the gunk on top. Yeah. But when you're clear and feeling happy and you see a therapist then, you're going to process like shit that you held on to when you were eight years old. Yeah, 100%. It's like going, yeah. through, the, going through the layers. Once you're, through the, 
once you're through yeah. the shit, then you get to the real stuff underneath. Yeah. Basically, that's what yeah. we're what we're going for. Yeah, <laughs> big time, big yeah. time. Awesome. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining me, lovely. I feel like this has been such a long-awaited chat, and I knew that we would have such a good chat about all these different amazing things. So, thank you for being. Yeah, on I've the never show. been. I've never talked about acting school before, so that's so exciting. I mean, we could and talk he- about that forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could literally have a whole episode dedicated just to acting I feel um so we can and, and I'll send you um I interviewed Ian for my pod oh did you oh my god that would have been amazing I'll send it to you okay, you'll so tell sure. I'm like fangirling the whole time <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to listening to it so guys you can find lols uh on IG at yummo lola berry also at lola coffee uh, she also has a podcast, Fearlessly Failing, and you can find that wherever you listen to your podcast. So if you did enjoy this little chat, skis, which I'm sure you did, make sure you screenshot this episode and share it to your IG stories. And thank you again so much for joining me, lovely Lola, and uh, I'll catch you on the next episode of the Rach Active Podcast. <laughs>